of you who don't know me, my name's Aaron. I am uh, a pastor here. Thrilled you're with us. I do want to make one more announcement. So tonight we're kicking off our men's uh, new season of men's ministry here at the church. And I'm like, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited about um, the ideas that God's given us and the call to action that we believe God is putting on men, not only in our church, but on the wor- in the world and in the church. And I just say, guys, like if you're ready to sort of quit going through life and just experiencing whatever's thrown at you or just surviving, like, come. Like, God wants more than that for you. And some of you are on the sidelines. And tonight, we want to say, we want to help you sort of say yes to getting off, see what God has for you. So that's at five o'clock, and it's free. And there's, I heard a rumor that some dude's been smoking meat since Thursday. So if that doesn't, you know, if the chance to be a part of the kingdom of God doesn't get you here, smoked meat should. So um, that's at five. You can just show up. You don't even care anymore if you sign up or not. Just show up. We'll figure it out if we have a, but come tonight, guys, be here. Give it a shot. Get, see what God might do. Um, with that, I'm going to jump into our teaching. We are uh, going to start a, a new series that we're going to be in for most of the summer. It's going to be a book study on the book of Galatians. Galatians is a short letter book in the Bible, in the New Testament, that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia, which was, a re- which was a region. We have letters that Paul wrote to specific churches in a city, Corinth, Ephesus, but this is to a region of, of, of churches in Galatia, which was an area in Greece. And Paul is sending um, this letter to this group uh, of of churches, and we're going to spend the summer going through this book sort of verse by verse uh, together. It's, we do sermon series here that are topical, as well as we'll do book studies, and this is, this is a book study where we're going to walk through the book together. And there is a resource I want to invite you to, to look at as we go through this together. There's a book called Galatians for You, um, and it's written by a man named um, Timothy Keller, And as we go through this, and keep that up on the screen for a minute here so people can maybe write that down or take it down. Like it's a great resource, commentary on the book of of Galatians. And it's not just a sort of scholarly, this is way over my head commentary. This is written by a pastor for us, the church and lay leaders. Um, And so that's a book that I would encourage you as we go through this study to, to get a hold of, um, and it will only deepen this experience of learning the book of Galatians. And um, Tim Keller wrote this book amongst many other profound books, and sadly, um, Keller passed away just a couple days ago. He had been diagnosed um, with pancreatic cancer almost three years ago, um, and personally, like, to be honest with you, like, um, it's, it's just been hard for me. Um, he has had a profound impact on my life as a pastor, as a, as a teacher, as a scholar. Um, years ago, before I was in ministry, I was working downtown and I would take the bus to work and I was trying to figure out, like, how, what, like who's Jesus and do I want to follow him? And 
I stumbled upon um, this guy, I don't even remember how, this pastor in New York City uh, named Tim Keller. And uh, this is when, when you had I, uh, iPods. You didn't have a phone that played everything. Like you had, some of the people here are like, what's that, what's an iPod, a toaster? Um, it just had music on it, that's it. Couldn't Google anything or take a picture with it. You just listened to stuff. And I had my iPod and I, had, I had, was listening to this sermon and I had never heard a preacher like Tim Keller before. Um, he had a profound impact on me personally just as a follower of Jesus. And then as I became a pastor, even more so as he, um, really the way that I would talk about it is pastors often don't have pastors. Um, and he was like, in a very weird way, like my pastor. Um, I had a chance to meet him. I, I, I got a picture with him. Um, this was in 2000 and, 2009. Why are you laughing? Because I look so little. Um, I was at a conference in Chicago, and he was preaching there, this big conference. Some of you have heard this story, um, but he was preaching at this big conference. And I, I mean, there was a moment in his preaching where there was an audible gasp because, I mean, the guy... Like, people were so moved by the spirit of what this man, uh, you know, just was preaching. And, and um, I, uh, I remember, like, I kind of ditched out of a, uh, one of the teachings, and there was this large lobby area. And I don't know why I went out of it, but I, I ditched out of it, and I was just sort of walking around. And I looked, and I saw Tim Keller. And... Um, I mean, you want to talk about starstruck, sort of Keller fanboy, nervous. And I was there with Drew Johnson, and I said, like, there he is. Like, I have to go say something to him, and I want to get a picture with him. But I was like, I can't, this is so embarrassing. I'm not like that. I, you know, there's something about doing that. I don't want to bother him, that sort of thing. And um, I was like, I got to do it, because this guy's had such uh, an important, like, role in my life, and I've got to tell him, like, and... You know, this is my one chance to meet him. And so I went up to him, and um, I don't really remember what, what, well, I do remember one thing I said. I could not find the words. And he just sort of looked at me, and I said, you're a lot taller than I imagined you'd be. <laughs> and that was it. That's all I could, and then, he, and then in classic, like, okay, if you said that to like a Minnesotan, the Minnesotan, sort of in our jolly, like, kind of fake happiness at times, we would go, oh, yeah, you know, make a joke about it. Like, yeah, I guess I am. You know, maybe the farmer put a little fertilizer on me or something. You know, we come up with some lame sort of thing. Classic New Yorker, you know, a little edgy. He goes, sorry. <laughs> and I go, can I get a picture? And then that was it. And that was it. Like, I, the moment I had, I could have said, any, like, thank you so much for what you've done, your ministry. It's meant so much to me. Like, I'm this young pastor, da, 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 da. And I just, I butchered it. But I do have that photo with him. And um, one day I will get a chance to tell him how much he's meant to me. If you've never read any Keller, um, you should. We lost uh, a really big voice in, in, and honestly, I've been telling people we could have used him for the next 10 years. Um, but God in his grace um, and his plans, which we don't always understand, um, 
decided it was time for him to go home. And he's met Jesus and how amazing that must be. But this is a man who finished well. And uh, get to know him. He, uh, if you listen to him a lot, he'll, you'll hear him. He, he quotes C.S. Lewis a lot um, and uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones a lot. There's a lot of generations, me, Brody, like we're, we're, our generations are going to quote Keller a lot. And that's just the impact that he's had. And, and I wouldn't sort of talk about every, you know, big-named Christian who has passed away. You know, I've never done that. But this, this was something I had to make some, some comments because this is a man who's had a profound impact on me from afar. I, I do want to pray for his family, if that's okay. Lord, we, um, we pray for Kathy Keller, his three sons, who mourn the loss of their father. Um, would you meet them in their mourning? And would you give them strength and fill them with the hope of the good news that, um, that Tim is with you in your presence to be away from uh, the body is to be with you face to face. He's with you face to face. Give them hope in the resurrection, but meet with them in their tears now. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, let me read for you Galatians 1, 1 through 10. It says this, Paul, an apostle, sent from men, uh, not by, nor by men, but Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God the Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. One of the things we see through Paul's writings, I mean, remember, this is a letter. This is not written in the fashion of like, oh, this is going to be a book of the Bible. This is a letter to churches, to Christians. And so letters, you know, like kind of like email, we have two from subject. A lot of the ancient letters would have had, who's this to? Who's it from? And then some sort of like salutations. You know, some sort of personal remarks early on in the letter. And we see this in other letters that Paul writes. But in this letter, he's a bit curt and short. And he goes on, listen to what he says, I am astonished, in verse six, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You kind of, and I'm reading it with a little edgy tone, but you kind of like just, if you read it, there's, a, there's like a tone, there's a vibe here that Paul is giving, like he, there's no pleasantries early on in this letter. He's upset, he's bothered. And early on he's like, I'm astonished with you guys. And what is he being astonished about? He's, being, he's, he's astonished that the people have been thrust into confusion over the gospel. 
And he's upset that, that the, the churches, the people that he has preached the true gospel to are turning to a different gospel. And he's upset about the people who are teaching this false gospel. Paul's upset about false teachers. And he says to them, he's like, I condemn them. And he's, he's upset that people are listening and buying into these things that are not true about the gospel. And one of the words um, that keeps coming to mind as I think about this text is confusion. The people there have been thrust into confusion. What is true and what isn't true? Is what Paul said true or is it what this person said is true? See, the enemy, one of the words uh, that, that, that the enemy is defined at is deceiver. If he can get you to do evil things, yeah, he will. But if he can just get you to be confused, subtly off track, believing things that are not true, that works just as well. And I would say, I mean, are we not in a time where there is mass confusion? In a, in a postmodern world, um, postmodernism really taught us that there is no moral, sort of absolute truth. Whatever your truth is, is your truth. Fine with it. And you don't really step on anybody else's toes. For, uh, like, you know, what your truth is, good for you. What your version of Christianity is, good for you. What your version of living life, you know, good for you. What, you, what your version of right or wrong is, good for you. What your, what your version of, you know, marriage, good for you. What your version of gender, good for you. What your, what your version of political views, good for you. And I mean, we're getting stuff from everywhere that's sort of saying this is what's right and this is what's wrong. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. And I wonder, like, how confused are people? What is truth? What is your truth? See, this is, this is what Paul is getting at right away in this scripture. What is it you're believing? Because what you believe, what your truth is, ultimately guides your life. And Paul's upset because he realizes that a false truth is, is dangerous because it will lead you astray. And this is a group of people who have been led astray. And really, the core of this being led astray is that you had Gentile Christians and you had Jewish Christians. Jewish Christians being, you know, the people that, that the God's people Jesus was a Jew, Gentiles being non-Jew. And the, the, the Jewish, Jewish people grew up um, rec understanding and learning the Mosaic law and there was a way to live and God had given us this way to live and there was rules and obligations um, that must be followed to, to, to follow God. Jesus comes in and then he, he like, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm bringing in a new covenant, a new law like, and, and, and a new way to live. Not, I don't think abolishing it necessarily as he's fulfilling a lot of it and now it's, it's about grace and faith 
and um, less about, you know, the rules that were set in place. Now, what happened is these Gentile Christians are being told by these likely Jewish Christian leaders, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow all the di these dietary laws. You have to follow all these, these mosaic laws to be a Christian. And Paul's like, that's not true. Not true. You are called to, to live in faith in Jesus Christ and in faith receive the gospel. That is not the gospel. The gospel is this free gift of Christ rescuing us, not because we've earned it or deserved it or done anything, but because it's, it's because he loves us and accepts us. Where they're hearing, I've got to do this, 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 and this, and then I'm, then I'm accepted. And it's not like bad things. See, that's what's, that's what's tricky. It's not like, I don't think that they're looking and going, oh, well, these are blatantly evil things, and of course I shouldn't be doing it. And that's where the deceiving often works. Not just in the things that are blatantly obvious are wrong or evil, but even in like the good, like good things can, can lead us astray. And so Paul is, he's bothered that these young Christians are being led astray from the true gospel. Now let me ask you this in the like three minutes I have. What is the gospel? Some of you have never heard the gospel, and I'm going to share the gospel with you this morning. Others of you are followers of Jesus Christ. And maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for your entire life. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for two weeks. Regardless, it is vital that a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, knows the gospel. And so my question for you is, if I brought you up here, which I'm not going to do, don't worry, and I said, would you share with us the gospel? Is it, whose worst nightmare is that? If I just pointed someone out and said, come on up. Um, share the gospel. Um, how could you articulate well what the true gospel is? I sit with people and I go, what do you think the gospel is? Go, oh, love. Jesus is love. That's it. That's part of it. Or God, you know, what is the good news of Jesus Christ? That he cares for me and that he's with me and that I can talk to him. That's good, yeah. But that is not the gospel that we're talking about here. And this is a message that, that hopefully you've experienced in your life, but also one that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be able to articulate The Bible talks about being ready in season and out of season to share the gospel of Christ. That means every day we are, we are ready to share the hope that we profess. Could you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone later today? And I'm not saying this like if you don't know how you should feel bad. No, absolutely not. I, I'm gonna share with you. But what, what, what is your gospel? What is your good news? What is your good news? 
what is Jesus to you? Is it that he's just like your life insurance policy? That when you die, you get to go to heaven? Is he that you can ask him for stuff when you want stuff? Is he that, oh yeah, you know, he's, he's love and I want love and I'm all about love? What is your gospel? How would you describe what the true gospel is? Because it is easy to be led astray. If your gospel, your good news, if your moral authority is coming from politics, you're in trouble. And what politicians say, you're in trouble. If, you're, if moral authority and what you think is right and good comes from news outlets, you're in trouble. If it comes from Hollywood, you're in really big trouble. When did they become the moral authority of the world? Give me a break. Where is your truth? What, what is your truth founded in? And what Paul is saying is he's saying like, look, and especially today in a postmodern world where everybody's truth, it has never, maybe never been more important to say that the Bible, the word of God is our truth. And what the Bible says and how the Bible defines all these things is what we as Christians hold tightly to. Without it, we're just wandering, believing false gospels. And here's what Paul says the gospel is, who we are. He talks about in verse four that Jesus came to rescue us from this pre the present evil age. We are helpless and lost. We need a savior. And until someone recognizes that they are lost and they need rescuing from their sin, they cannot, they are not open to the true gospel. And you know what's amazing about Christianity is here we are, imagine you're drowning. And um, what would you rather have? Somebody reach out with an arm or, and pick you up out of the water or throw you a manual on how to swim. Everyone goes, I want, I want, I want the, the person to reach down their arm and pick me up and save me from drowning. Christianity is the only, only religion and teaching where the, the primary, the founder, the deity, the God, gets in the water lifts you up, pulls you out, and then and dies doing so. Every other world religion is, the, you think Buddha, you know, all, like all the other uh, world religions throw a manual on how to do it right and how to fix your life and how to figure it out. And just do more, do it better, fix yourself, and then you'll be saved. Christianity is utterly different and amazing in that, what Jesus did, and that's the second part. Who we are, we are helpless and we are lost. We are in need of rescuing. We are sinners. What Jesus did, how did Jesus rescue us? He gave himself for our sins, it says in verse four. His sacrifice was made in a substitution, was substitutionary in nature. It means we were guilty and he took our guilt. He he died on our behalf in place of. This is why the gospel is so revolutionary. It was not just a general death, it was a substitutionary death. We were on death row, we were about to walk into the execution chamber, we were guilty, and Jesus said, kill me instead. The father responds by accepting 
the work of Christ on our behalf. And it was demonstrated in verse one when it said that he was raised from the, de- the, the death, raised from the dead, and in verse three, and, was, and, by giving, and by doing so has given us grace and peace. So Jesus's win, what he achieved by defeating death and sin, the father received on, for us on our behalf. And then why did he do it? Grace and love. Because he just loves you. He loves you so much. He couldn't stand the idea of you just dying in your sin and being separated from God. We separated ourselves from God. He didn't. And he came after us in and through Jesus Christ. And we don't, we're not saved because of anything we do. We didn't even ask for our rescue, but God in his grace planned for Christ to come and rescue us. And he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so, do you believe that? And maybe you're hearing this for the first time, and if you are, I want you to know that this message is good news and it's good news for you. And for the rest of us, could you articulate that? Because God wants you to be, you to be able to articulate that and share that. And are you open to opportunities to share what that means for you? And how does this, like, how did this truth, this gospel play out in your life? So two questions I leave you with as the band comes up. Paul's tone, it reminds us that Christian faith is a matter of heart, as well as head, feelings as well as intellect. How does this encourage you? But also, how does it challenge you? What is your truth? Where do you look for truth? What, you know, what, what truth is guiding the way you live? Honestly. And the second thing is this, how would you explain the gospel to someone who asked you today, what do you believe? Are you ready to answer that question? And I challenge each and every one of us who have committed our lives to following Jesus that look, we've got to be able to answer that question. The world is desperate for us to be able to answer that question. There are people in your life who are, they don't even know it, but they are waiting for you to answer that question. They need you to speak up and profess the hope you have in Jesus Christ. To profess that I was once lost, but now I'm found. That I was a sinner and I did nothing, but Jesus Christ loves me and he did everything. And I've surrendered my life to Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross. And I've accepted the gift of salvation that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. And what he did for me, he did for you. People need to know this and hear this. And it's not, the, the, not going to come through the method of sermons. It does, yes, but it's not enough. It's like sitting in one fishing spot and just hoping and waiting that all the fish come to you. Good fishermen go out, they find the fish. 
When Jesus called his disciples to be fisher of men, he didn't say sit in one spot and wait for people to show up to worship gatherings with cool lights and nice music and then tell them the gospel. He said, get out, go. Find the fish and catch them. The world needs us to go out. But do you know what you're going out with? I think every single one of us should be able to take time in our lives to articulate, like, really invest in what is the gospel and how do, I, how do I share the gospel. And then we ask God for opportunities to share that. And I bet you, he's gonna give it to you. We did a survey of our church. We had a great response. And one of the questions was, how many of you have shared your faith in the last year? And it was like in the single digit percentage. And I don't mean, I don't say that to like condemn or make you feel bad, but I would just say, man, we got to change that. That should be a hundred percent, hundred percent. Like if we're really excited about what Jesus has done for us and it's really changed our lives, you share stuff that you're excited about. You share stuff that has changed your life. Those are the stories you love to tell. And I just say, if you don't love to tell the, share the story of the gospel, then, I, then you gotta go, Jesus, have I not experienced truly your gospel and help me receive it? I wanna experience it for real. I wanna experience the power of it. I wanna experience the fire, man. Fill me with the spirit. Get me excited about the gospel. Give me clarity around what it is and then give me opportunity to share it. In the way I live, as well as the words I share, I speak. Let's stand together. Jesus, we are thankful. We're, I'm excited, God. Even in death, there is hope because of the gospel, the good news of what you did for us. And I pray, Jesus, maybe there's some here today who've never heard it, maybe never heard it that way. Maybe they're really striving to be good. Let go and let Jesus in. You cannot be good enough. Just accept that. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good Jesus is. Just let him in and receive it. And I pray God for Christians who have never experienced truly the power of the gospel. Would we experience Jesus in real and meaningful ways? Give us opportunities to share just how good this is. And give us the confidence and the courage to share it. In Jesus' name, amen.